Good morning, friends. Welcome to our weekly DAO meeting. Feel free to raise your hand. Come on up. Should be a great week, uh, weekly discussion this week. Lots of good topics to go over. Maybe some brainstorming that will happen today as well. Hey, Hefe, here he comes. Good morning. Good morning. I was just grabbing a little morning coffee it's uh <clears throat> i think our time difference is a bit different here it's 7 a.m for us it's good pst right yeah pst yeah did that just change or yeah i think so. i think that's why my times are a little bit messed up but <laughs> i'm getting used to it um, i guess start i'll start the stream here as well we're we're live streaming this on YouTube and on Twitter. I believe Zombie Shepherd and No Future also are streaming this. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, welcome everybody to Dow Discussion number eleven on Sunday morning. Here, uh, got twenty-five people in the room. We got our mural board here as well. I'll pop that in the chat. How are you doing, Coder Dan? Oh, pretty good. I've had a nice Sunday. I've uh, been working on, was trying to drop some XP today, but we, we found a little issue with the vault subgraph that we're fixing right now. Uh, some of the gotchis that are lent out were not being properly dealt all their XP every time. It was kind of kind of a weird issue. So have to resync the gotchi vault subgraph and waiting for that to finish now. So. Trying to get this XP script absolutely perfect so we can then uh, automate it a little bit more. So whenever a, a snapshot vote finishes, we can basically automatically send out the XP like without me having to intervene. But it takes a bit of time to get all that kind of stuff set up. Yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome once you guys have that. Because, you know, the more bandwidth you can free up, the... With yeah. automation, the the more you can focus on all the other uh, building that you guys are doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you guys didn't realize, the, the Gachi Vault does have its own uh, subgraph. And uh, there's a couple... It, it's, it's tough because they, as far as I know, they don't have events that they emit. I might be wrong on this, but looking at their ABI, it doesn't seem like they have uh, events for... When someone deposits or withdraws their gachi from the from the uh, vault, so that makes it really tricky for us to calculate uh, when there's like basically a couple type of events. There's like a gachi being deposited into the vault, and then there's uh, a gachi being withdrawn from the vault by its original owner, and then there's the gachi being lent out by the vault, and then there's the gachi coming back in, into the vault. So for us, for our purposes on the XP script side, 
we need to know who those gotchis are owned by. But since they don't really, they don't have an event, we have to use the contracts manually to pull back that information about who the depositor is. Uh, that we we got that working, but it's, uh, we were not properly uh, calculating exactly the um, the lending when they lent it out or or got it back. So there was a bit of weirdness that we're we're ironing out now. But if you guys are ever writing smart contracts, just uh, remember to add events to stuff. Makes makes the accounting much easier. Yeah, good to know. Um, yeah, and then I guess you guys had uh, you had an interesting post on Twitter asking for uh, some input on the SDK, and people had some really good ideas in there. Um, yeah, oh, the one I just put out. That, yeah, that's kind of like um, just not even just SDK necessarily. It could, could be anything. Like just what experience, you know, would would people love to have in the Gachi verse? Could be could be like, oh, I want to attend a, a rock concert in the Gachi verse, or I want to kill a boss with my my uh, Hatori Hanzo, or various things like whatever. Pretty much, sky's the limit. If you have a cool idea, put it down. But it doesn't have to just be SDK related. Yeah. Good to know. I'm excited about the SDK. I think it's going to open up a lot of possibilities. Yeah, me too. Um, really been doing a lot of brainstorming on it uh, last couple of weeks. So that'll def definitely uh, it's going to be a game changer once we have that in. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so I'm going to drop the mirror board link in here if I didn't. I did already, but Here's the here's the link for that. It is interactive too for you guys in here. Um, so you're actually able to for old business. There's a bunch of stickers, uh, hardcore's put in there. So as we're you know having this conversation, you can actually go in there and if you have a question for me or you have something I would you know you'd like me to bring up, you can actually grab one of the stickies, you know, type in what you want um, regarding the topic, and then I can try and relay that. Um, in our conversation so that's something uh, if you didn't know you can actually interact with the with the mirror board as well um, so I guess as far as old business just to go over um, we still have an ongoing conversation about uh, sunsetting friends and possibly uh, moving the ticket mechanic or to glitter and having a new kind of ticket mechanic um, that's, that's something we can maybe talk about today. Um, this, the spillage, um, we can just gather, I think the sentiment around the hot zone spillage was pretty good. So, um, I don't think there's much to really do there. Um, unless somebody has a reason why we shouldn't do that, then we can definitely bring that up. And then the big conversation for today, I think we're going to have is, Regarding the proxy voting uh, thread that's going on right now in the DAO forum, uh, it's getting a lot of attention, a lot of uh, people uh, getting in there. And I think it's just an interesting discussion to have because I think we were going to have this discussion at some point anyway, you know, with people building so many different things in the Gachiverse. Um, like this is a not not a jab at the vault by any means. Uh, it's just bringing out a few issues that might come about as we're, uh, you know, I think we're still in the cocoon phase, right, of the DAO. Um, mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, we're going to move to metamorphosis at some point in the future. Um, but there are some, uh, there are some things that I guess are concerning the Dow and the way that the votes are being, um, implemented on, on proposals. And so, uh, we can, we can start off with that or, uh, we can, uh, pick up on some old business. I don't know. What do you guys want to do in the chat? Um, I'm, I'm all for just getting into the main discussion, but if I'd you love do to have... hear the sunsetting friends, um, yeah. any, okay. any, I think we, last week we went over kind of the, the different trade-offs and, uh, upside potential downside, I guess. Uh, has anyone thought any more about why they would oppose the, the friends or what is, what is the main, main opposition to start sunsetting friends? Beyond just, uh, I mean, obviously there's the practical part, which is actually uh, doing it, like lowering the rewards uh, over time until some of the guys that maybe are not coming to all the calls or they're, they're kind of on a longer time frame. They'll, they'll, they check into the Discord once uh, maybe every month or every couple of weeks. They might not be aware of all the granular changes that are happening. So that would be one consideration. But are there any other considerations beyond that that we would want to think about mikey j has a comment there glitter mm -hmm. is gotcha verse friends is protocol is it a concern to maybe remove incentives from the protocol and shift them to the gotcha verse game that's a good question yeah it's just uh if well yeah, friends are definitely linked uh, to the Avogadro protocol. Glitter, I feel like it's in this kind of like middle place. Uh, if we were to use glitter for raffles, it would almost be like the the NFT gaming protocol is adopting this this token as its uh, value as as its reward token for providing value to the network by staking and providing liquidity. They basically be, you know, it's an adoption of it. And if we, I mean, we don't need to go over all the, the upsides, downsides again, but right now, um, friends, the major value of it is speculation on future NFTs, uh, which is definitely something that uh, there's been some opposition to, and rightfully so. We don't want to keep adding new NFTs and, and uh, diluting the current ones just because we want to keep friends from piling up too much. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it creates this, you know, I think one point against, you know, keeping the friends is it creates this constant pressure uh, to create an event, you know, whether it's an auction for land, whether it's, uh, you know, wearables, um, and over time, it does lower the scarcity across the board of all those NFTs. Um, but there's a constant pressure to keep doing them because there's friends being produced. There's like a, uh, you know, there's an inflation there. So that, that has to be taken care of with wearables, has to be taken care of with land, gotchis, all this stuff. So maybe that moving friends over to Glitter will take that pressure off, um, you know, having to do all those events all the time and maybe more so strategically like when we think we really need them yeah yeah pretty much 
and we can still use we could use glitter for tickets and have them basically be mintable with with glitter um and we could do other things with those tickets in the future do you think that will impact the actual ghost like you know the ghost token because i'm sure there's some you know large holders of ghost out there that are um attracted to you know, minting tickets and selling them off. And for a while, it was quite lucrative. Right now, the ticket prices are, you know, they're quite low. So I don't know what that looks like now. But I know there was people just staking Ghost simply for the ability to sell tickets and then earn a yield on their Ghost. Um, well, how do you think this would affect those people? Do you think it's likely they would shift to Glitter and just switch their strategy over from, you know, um, getting an APY on Ghost to getting some sort of an APY from the glitter staking and get a yield that way. Like, how do you think those people are going to be thinking about it after, like, post the change? If if they're just interested in the APY, I I almost think a glitter is a more direct API. They can uh, compound their their uh, re- like their rewards faster with glitter. Because there's actually more use case for glitter, people are going to be buying it off the open market because they need it for upgrading stuff. So with friends, the only market makers are people who are uh, trying to they're going to try and play the ticket game uh, by and flipping tickets, or they're actually interested in the next raffle. But then we have this pressure of having the next raffle to make sure that uh, I mean there's not to really make sure, but like eventually there's people who will constantly clamor for a raffle because they now have a bag of tickets and they want them to be used. So, so there's with glitter, it's more immediate. But the thing is with glitter, uh, I think someone mentioned it above, it's a constant fixed reward. It's not like friends where if you have a million ghosts, you get a million friends every day. It's a pool that will be split between all the different LPs, um, which could could be good. Like if the if glitter and Alchemica have strong value, then the amount of liquidity that will want to that will kind of be attracted to those pairs will increase. But it's fixed. So if if you have a you could have theoretically one one whale earning all the glitter. Because they have, they're providing the most liquidity, and no one else wants to get into the pool with them. So a ghost is definitely a little. Um, it's it's like seems a little. I, I don't know. It might seem more attractive, I guess, to some a, a particular type of player, because they look at it. It's very easy. They see, okay, I'm going to get one go one friend per ghost, um, but. As we've kind of seen, especially back a couple months ago, it it can get pretty out of hand if there's a lot of really big players. Like it, it'd be hard to imagine someone staking fifty million ghosts or something, and getting fifty million friends every day. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I mean, if 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 we were to implement the system of glitter, uh, you know, staking for tickets. Would the tickets still be sellable on the bazaar for Ghost? They could be, but it's there's really no use case for for having 
the ticket to be a liquid market at that point, it would almost be worth the tickets being sold and bought kind of via, via, via an AMM. And you could buy it, buy a ticket when you want it and then sell it back to the AMM when you don't want it. It'd be like a bonding curve, except uh, it wouldn't be a bonding curve. It would be just a flat 50% reserve bonding curve. So basically it, it uh, holds, well, I guess it'd be a hundred percent, but it would essentially hold all the glitter that people have invested in tickets into it. Mikey J has an opinion that was interesting. He says, um, giving glitter a long-term constant use case, like for raffles, you know, um, we have at least a couple of them a year, at least. Um, could be a good thing, you know, it, it could kind of bolster the price action of glitter, maybe remove some of the erratic uh, price movements of, of glitter, you know, as we, you know, as we continue to add use cases for it. I think this one constant use case for it would add a decent amount of demand, you know, given how excited people get for these raffles. Yeah. Um, Dr. Wagme also has some questions there. Um, says uh, the SIG prop needs more clarity regarding the rewards for pools. Um, are we eliminating single-sided ghost staking rewards? Um, what is the exact allocation, exact pool allocation plan? So, what percentage of glitter goes to Alchemica LPs versus goes to USDC? And then, how long does the change in glitter emissions that occurs in one year affect the proposed glitter friends ratio? Um, any of those yeah, you so, want to take a stab at? Yeah, sure. So, uh, are we eliminating single-sided ghost staking rewards? Um, my vote for that would probably be no, but I think we could significantly reduce them from where they are currently. Currently, it's one ghost, one friend, and then if you provide liquidity, you get like an extra 10% or 20% or 30%. I think that's actually quite low comparatively. And so what we could do is we could have uh, WAP ghost be the single staking option, and you might get... Uh, it would be weighted like it like we do currently. Um, so if, if you go to, I'm sure everyone here is probably familiar with the stake glitter UI. Uh, well, let me pull that up here. Just look at the numbers. WAP Ghost currently is five percent. Ghost FUD is fifteen percent. So uh, Ghost FUD is earning. Uh, I guess it comes out to times three the amount of rewards of WAP Ghost, and then. Ghostmatic is the same as WAP Ghost. So it's, it's basically denominated in uh, glitter per block. So I would, I would say, I mean, we could modify the current um, amount that we have right now. Like, it's pretty easy to change the weights. So 5%, if we're not happy with that, we could modify that or change that however we wanted. Um, so that, that would be my vote. But what is the exact pool allocation plan? Um, so what percentage of ghosts goes to Alchemica LPs versus goes to USD-Matic LPs? 10% is not enough. Yeah, I think we could re rework the uh, the plan here, and maybe there's some optimizations we could do. really depends just what our goals are uh, in, in that. So that would probably be its own conversation. And how does the change in glitter emissions that occurs in one year affect the proposed glitter fringe route? 
ratio. What what exactly is the glitter fringe ratio? Because we're not we're not uh, planning to do any conversion. I mean, I guess we could, but it it would be a pretty wild event to do a conversion from fringe into glitter. I'm just thinking in terms of transition. No future had a I thought was a good idea up in the conversation there. Uh, maybe we do a uh, physical raffle for physical merch for friends, you know, and just, you know, clean up all the friends that are out there mm -hmm. with this physical merch release one time, you know, maybe it costs X amount of tickets to enter. And then, you know, we clean up all the friends that way mm -hmm. um, without having to convert everything over. I think people would get excited about a physical, you know, merch raffle with friends. So what would that be? Your because because we have to. I mean, we can tell people to enter their friends, but they don't. They might not. Would that would that be basically saying there's never going to be another friends raffle after this? You better spend all your friends. Yeah, we're having one epic event um, for you guys to actually enter your friends and just uh, make it so that you know the chances of you getting something are uh, pretty good. You know. Uh, hey, we have no um, yeah. oh, sorry. Up very quick. Um, I would say make it ongoing because we were talking about um protocol versus gotcha verse. So you could still keep the staking uh for friends, but use it for raffles that aren't dilutions of our NFT. So I used merch as an example, uh, but you could do that ongoing, say quarterly. You know, uh, if they find a service where the uh, that service can do international drop shipping, uh, they already have the VRF for the random, uh, the verification of the randomness of the raffle. So then it would just be, you know, every quarter we do a new dope merch release uh, or something like that, something that you can use the friends towards that doesn't put strain on the value of our assets. I mean, the 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 major downside with that is that uh, if we actually do a merch drop, so number one. The, it's hard to say what the value of that merch will be. Uh, like, what is the value of a drop? Is it does it uh, approximate the expected value of how much people, how much friends people have accumulated? Which is at this point, it's it's really uh, probably in one or two million USD worth, maybe maybe more, probably more. So they might not be willing to enter their friends. They'd be like, oh, it's just a, a T-shirt, you know. I don't. I don't want to spend my friends on a T-shirt. The other point would be the friends are kind of a protocol level uh, reward mechanism, whereas merch actually costs money. We're we, for Pixelcraft. We actually hope that we can make money with with merch in the future, and we, we're working on some designs and things to to do that. But if we have to actually pay for that merch and like ship it to people and and it's like a a cost loss then it's uh, it's like it's bad business because we're not we're not directly benefiting from the i mean it's great that ghosts goes up because people want to hold it because they can stake it but we don't directly like benefit from that in terms of an actual profit on that i mean ghost ghost going up is great but it's not, it's not like a profit for us that we could then roll, roll into merch. So I'd be worried about that. I mean... Yeah, that, yeah. Go ahead, like, man. If the DAO wanted to be like, all right, let's, we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll pay for the, uh, the merch or something, maybe. But it's, it's still, I don't think it's a great business to, to convert like a digital reward into 
physical item in a in a a very un kind of like a, it had to be done very carefully to do that. Yeah, and I'm just thinking from a user perspective, we already have a complex staking ecosystem. You have so many choices with staking. Um, having friends and glitter might be a little confusing, you know, for someone brand new, um, not really knowing, okay, well, where should, what should I do with my ghost? Should I stake it for friends? Why should I do that? Or should I stake it for glitter? Um, it, it might be confusing. I mean, I, I'm all for kind of having glitter be one and all for all these different things. But then someone made a good point earlier how uh, the friends are tied closer to the Avagachi protocol than they are to the Gachiverse. Um, making that transition will probably have some effects on um, ghost holders that aren't participating in the ecosystem. You know, maybe they're just staking the ghost just to earn the APY. But I guess if we're thinking about like the long-term vision of the game, that's not really part of the game per se that's just the token you know that has more to do with the the you know this this value that ghost offers mm -hmm. so it's like do we want to remove that value that the ghost is offering um to people who aren't necessarily engaged with the ecosystem in favor of this glitter mechanic which actually does favor participants of the ecosystem um my only question is those people who are passively staking just ghost, would they come in and now uh, just farm glitter? And what would that do to, I guess that's not necessarily a bad thing because then we would just have cheap glitter. If there's a bunch of whales dumping glitter and you know, there's plenty of you, as long as there's plenty of use cases for glitter, that that's not going to be a problem. I think that's just going to be a better opportunity for people who want to um, take advantage of that. But um yeah, I'm just trying to read. So one one idea I was thinking about the other day would be: what if we just kept both, and friends are only for tickets, glitter is for tickets, and everything else. And there's like there there would be a, basically a fixed conversion rate between glitter and the tickets, and then the the tickets to friends would that conversion rate wouldn't change, but there's an issue there there would probably be some sort of arb opportunity between glitter and and friends via tickets somehow it might get weird but that that would be one possibility so people who want to keep staking for for friends i think they would depending on the value of glitter and the value of of friends and and tickets and stuff the, there would be like this discrepancy between the two. But it, that could be one way forward. Yeah. Um, with glitter staking, you know, specifically for the Alchemica pairs, um, what's the major benefit to that? That's providing liquidity. And I'm just speaking more to maybe there's people in the room that are kind of new to this that maybe don't quite understand how the pairs work. Like, why are we pairing up ghosts with alchemica um, that's an incentive to earn glitter um, but what's the major benefit of that uh, from your view you know when we're pairing up uh, alchemica with glitter um, yeah so the main benefit is you are you're holding the token and you're also providing liquidity 
which you, I mean, generally you have some sort of impermanent loss for it, which is why protocols have some sort of token incentive for kind of offsetting that and rewarding people for, uh, for allowing people to trade. You're basically providing liquidity, which allows people to trade the token. Yeah, I guess so then, you know, trading even large amounts would have a less impact on the price if there's a lot of liquidity, right? If there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot available out there, you know, one person can have a much less impact on the actual price of Alchemica, which I yeah. think is a long-term benefit to Alchemica, actually, um, to be adding this extra liquidity and it's going to create maybe some price stability. We're going to get more demand. I think the overall tokenomics of Alchemica would benefit from this um, if we were to transition to more of an incentivized uh, glitter staking model versus friends. Um, and that's something, you know, I know people, we, we don't tend to focus on price, but it's definitely something people have had their eye on with the, you know, the Alchemica prices have seemed to have uh, stable, you know, stabilized right now. So we're wondering, okay, well, where is this going to head? you know, moving forward. And I think it's good to have uh, steadily increasing demand for um, not only Alchemica, but also the glitter because you're, you're, you're stabilizing the price action of Alchemica, you know, um, that's the way yeah. I see it. You're not only stabilizing, but you're also allowing bigger players to come in and if they want to get a, a chunk, they can. At At the current liquidity, I haven't checked it recently, but it's uh like a couple thousand, a couple hundred thousand USD, I think, at this point. Um, so not really very friendly if you're trying to get a large amount, which I I kind of think is fine for now because we don't want people to be able to buy a, a ton of Alchemica ahead of the the harvester launch because then they can get like a huge advantage. But eventually, we do we probably will want to have deeper liquidity pools. That's that could be interesting. And you know, let's say we do have <clears throat> a bunch of whales that jump into the Alchemica pools for staking, um, and we do have deeper liquidity at that point. The glitter rewards, you know, as a per share of the pool will go down for everybody. Um, so I guess we would also have to consider what the price of the tickets are going to be. Are they going to be a fixed price? Because we're, you know, they have to be a fixed price, or is it going to be adjustable? based on you know the share of the glitter pool how much glitter the average person is earning um it would sorry i'm reading messages here um, yeah me too <laughs> yeah so the, the sorry what was your your, your point there uh, I was just thinking about the price of, uh, you know, the tickets. What are these tickets the potentially tickets, yeah. going to cost if we have a bunch of whales coming in um, and getting a large share of the pool? Yeah. Uh, then, you know, there's going to be less glitter being minted for the average person. Are the price of the tickets going to fluctuate in relation to that? Um, or is it going to be a fixed price for the tickets, in your opinion? Well, this is where uh, there's potential, like, ARB, I think, so it most likely we would want to have a fixed price for the glitter to 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 buy tickets with glitter. So you could say uh, maybe it's a hundred thousand glitter for a common ticket, uh, whatever. 
it, it would be fixed probably. It could be something we could modulate uh, every every quarter or something. Uh, but in general, I don't I I don't think it would be uh, fixed. I don't think it would be variable unless we we were to basically calculate the the time weighted average price, the, the TWAP price. That would that's uh doable, but we don't really have deep enough liquidity to do that in a in a safe way at this point. Because it that's basically someone can easily manipulate that, and then they could get a bunch of friends or a bunch of tickets. So at this point, we don't. I mean, we're not in a, a good state to be able to do a uh, a TWAP for raffle tickets with our liquidity. And we're definitely not going to be able to get an oracle from Chainlink at, with these with these tokens yet. So that's why I say it probably would be something that's fairly fixed. And as who was it? Um, Mark mentioned above. If could tickets tanking make litter price go down in that case? Well, I think that situation why would tickets tank why would tickets tank that basically means there's uh no no raffle coming up there's then it's part of the valuation model for glitter at that point so if we think of glitter as uh 80 being utilized for upgrades and other stuff in the gachi verse and 20 percent as being utilized for tickets then you would weight those and get the final price of what the market wants to value glitter as. So if it's giving 0% to the ticket, then that would just, yeah, that would reduce the valuation for that part of it, but it would still have a valuation as far as utility in the gachi verse. The, um, yeah, the, I'd be kind of interested to know the friends task force because there's a whole task force around friends. Um, like, what's their whole take on this? I'd love to know because that's a group of people responsible for the the friends rates, and they probably have a better, a really good understanding of uh, you know um, how friends have been working out over the last couple months. There's been inflation in the friends, you know, which has had impact on the ticket price, but that I guess the way what you're saying is that wouldn't be an issue if you were to go towards glitter because you can't inflate glitter. Like there's a fixed amount per block that you can get. And what it comes down to your stake will determine what share of the pool you get, um, which could be, you know, it could be advantageous in these early stages when there aren't that many people in the pool. Um, I'm just reading over Dr. Wagme's comment here. Uh, we plan to sunset friends completely before the glitter emissions rate decreases at the one-year mark. Uh, ideally, don't ideally don't take that long. This would mean all friends functions would be removed at the one-year mark. Uh, we set a glitter to friends conversion rate and accept ARB opportunities and crazy as part of the process. Um, the glitter for ticket price ends up being a floor for glitter, bolstering its value and thus the value of Alchemica and Ghost. Um, Dow DTF commissions a task force to set up the timeline. Glitter to friends conversion rate and pool allocations include the FTF members as able. 
Um, SIGPROP can include just above without specifics that will be provided by task force. PC by time of core prop. Okay. There's so a number lot there. two, we set a yeah. glitter fringe to conversion rate. So my, my thought on that would be we don't actually need to set a conversion rate. We would just have uh, friends and glitter going at the same time. And over the next whatever period, six months or whatever, we would start lowering the friends rate for ghosts and, and the other pairs. So that the ARB will naturally happen between uh, the tickets. Because some you might, if you get a lot of friends from staking ghosts then you can put those into tickets and then you can sell out the tickets um and if you get your glitter and you can buy tickets as well maybe it's cheaper to to buy the tickets with glitter so you buy tickets with glitter and you wait for whatever raffle event so either way people could use the tickets as as an arb kind of kind of like an arb between the two without actually having to set a fixed conversion rate would there be old tickets and new tickets entered into the same raffle? Kind of, you'd have your friends tickets and you'd have your glitter tickets, but they would be, you know, pound well, for pound, like the same thing, basically. Same ticket. Yeah, they'd be, they'd be the same ticket. It would, it, we would literally just add a couple lines of code to the, the staking diamond, which is where the tickets are minted, that says, okay, you can now also take this fixed amount of glitter for uh, minting a ticket. Okay, and then uh, over time, the incentive for staking uh, for friends would just be lowered to the point mm -hmm. where, you know, uh, there would be an opportunity to actually switch over to glitter because your APY will be yeah. probably a lot higher than what you were getting. Mm -hmm. um, somebody made a point earlier. We actually had a transition like this uh, very, very early on when you guys went from Ethereum to Polygon before you fully actually launched the whole uh, Avagachi protocol, um, there was kind mm -hmm. of a, a movement from Ethereum to Polygon, right? That's kind of uh, similar in, in the way you guys phased it out over many months for people to get their assets over. Um, yeah, we did do a, we actually did a, a friends snapshot on, we basically at, at some point we said friends on Ethereum are now useless, but we've snapshotted your friends onto Polygon. And so that worked for the majority of people. There were some people, they, you know, they came in six months later. They're like, hey, I have all these friends on Ethereum. What can I do with them? And we just said, well, you can't do anything with them. Sorry. Uh, so a couple, a couple did get burned by that, but the, the vast majority were, were fine. So this one would basically say we have both systems running in parallel, but the friends are going to slowly get de-incentivized by lowering the, the reward. And that if we if we start seeing a lot of uh, activity, people saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to sell all my ghosts because of this, then then as a DAO, we'd probably want to look and, and uh, talk, talk to those uh, actors and see what their what the issues are. But it would be a, a good kind of a slow way to uh, kind of deactivate friends over over a period of time. Yeah, and there's going to be announcements made. You know, I'm sure it's going to be a gradual process, not over like two weeks or something. <laughs> yeah. So, Dr. Wyman, what do you think? Do you think that we 
need a uh, conversion rate, or can we just we, the the basically the same thing is is setting a friend a glitter to tickets conversion rate. That's essentially the the same thing, but we're just creating this arb opportunity between the two. Yeah, it's two different ways to transition over, but I feel uh, <clears throat> of just gradually lowering the rewards for friends will naturally make people reconsider a better opportunity, staking opportunity in one of the other pools, um, whether it's an Alchemica pair or, you know, direct ghost, uh, WAP, WAP ghost uh, staking. All right, well... And so it seems like, you know, the, the, the conversation seems to be leaning towards moving to a new system based on glitter. Uh, but the hang up point just seems to be how we're going to get there. Uh, but there's two different ways, basically, you've mentioned. The first would be um, to, uh, to gradually uh, phase out friends by lowering the rewards over time. And then the second one would be to actually create a conversion rate for friends to glitter. Um, but it sounds like the 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 former is might be easier to implement than the latter, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Mark. Yeah, I mean, how? That's a good question. How are you guys thinking of the raffles moving forward? Because historically, the raffles have been based around. Um, wearables, gotchis, and land, right? But moving forward, we're going to have decorations. We're going to have maybe some other things that we don't know about. Um, are you guys thinking the raffles are the same way? You know, every couple months, there's going to be a raffle for some sort of an item, which is an NFT. Um, like, how are you guys thinking about raffles moving forward, I guess, as the gotchiverse starts to mature or develop? Yeah, I, they're definitely one of our, like, favorite things to do. I love I love the raffles. Um, I just I would love to have it as a, to a point where we don't we don't feel like we have to do one, but we're we just we're really excited to do one, and we have great stuff that we would we want to distribute to the community, um, and don't feel like we you know we need to have this raffle, otherwise uh, people are gonna like get an, get angry because they're it's been too long. So I, it'd be great to get out of that mindset. And we do have, we have, uh, we're definitely preparing uh, a pretty, pretty nice one for you guys. Still um, hoping to get the um, the release for that soon. Some, it's a little project we've been working on, but it's not quite ready to, to go public with yet. But it's going to be good. And it's, I, you know, the raffles are tough because uh, they, especially with friends, because there's a there's certain expectation that they need to eat up a certain amount of of this heap of friends that we have and uh it's hard to come up with ideas that can actually make a dent in in that big heap without artificially without uh, diluting the current nfts that we do have but um that pressure yeah. is the biggest reason i think to move away yeah. from friends is uh and as think about as the protocol grows, right? We're gonna get more stakers. Uh, probably more whales show up too as the game looks more attractive to just jump in. 
uh, and it's going to further create more inflation on friends and further increase the demand mm -hmm. for more NFTs. So it's exactly. not like this uh, demand is ever going to go away or stay the same. It's going to actually be an ever increasing demand for more NFTs and more, you know, more use cases as the friends inflation rate increases as well. So and I it's not fair. Their, yeah, it's yeah. not really fair to the NFT holders as well because it, it's right now it's like primarily for the ghost holders that are that are getting the most benefit of this. So it would be great if we could move a little bit more towards uh, the NFT holders. And so as a, you know, it's, there, you're still getting uh, glitter for, for doing Alpine for Ghost and Alchemica, but at the same time, you, your NFT is also giving you Alchemica. Yes, you're also spending Alchemica, but it's also giving you Alchemica as well. So it's, it's again, it's not like a, it's something that we can say, stake your Avogachi to earn glitter. Because at this point, I honestly, I don't think we really need to do that. There's, uh, I know there's protocols um, recently, was it Sandbox? Didn't they just announce like a move to Polygon? You can stake your, you, you've always been able to like stake your sand parcel for to earn sand or something. But yeah. honestly, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we need that. I mean, we're, we're going to have plenty of utility soon anyway for these lands. So we're kind of past that point where you... Uh, I think NFT Worlds also was doing this. You could like stake your world to earn world token or something. But as we move to, our, to having more and more utility, we don't need to do that kind of NFT staking because the stake, the NFT itself has the utility. I was going to say, we have a way more gamified competitive version uh, where we don't actually stake our assets. We dress our assets up, right? For rarity <laughs> yeah. farming and get a yield that way from our assets. Um, yeah. And it's a way more engaging, competitive way than just, you know, um, like five button clicks and I stake my land and I'm passively earning. You're not really doing anything there. You're not really engaging with the land or the game or anything. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm totally there. I agree with that. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe what, what are you, what's your take on this? Do you think it's time to maybe come up with a sick prop and just see... You know what the because the last one was split right down the middle, um, but from just looking at the conversation today, it looks like people are thinking about at least this transition to glitter and maybe um, potentially phasing out friends over time, just lowering the reward uh, and then moving over. But if anybody is opposed to that, like definitely come up on stage or uh, we're, we're keeping an eye out in the chat. I just. I see the sentiment is more towards uh, the transition than keeping friends around. Uh, and uh, I'm all for it. Like personally, I'm all for it because uh, I don't think we need, like it'd be interesting to hear from the wearables task force to what the kind of uh, wearables to gachi ratio looks like, but I'm quite comfortable with where like the bazaar is at. There's still a lot of activity happening even in this market. Um, you know, there's certain items that don't have very much liquidity that kind of stick around. But even among the legendary items, there's been a lot of movement in the bazaar lately. So there's still a lot of trading happening. Um, the The prices of wearables haven't really taken a huge, you know, they've taken a hit. But like many of the wearables I purchased like eight or nine months ago have not, um, the price has not gone below that. Um, so it's still held, held up its initial value that I paid. Um, so in my opinion, the wearables market right now is healthy. 
but there's you know a long-term risk that we could start inflating the supply of wearables or start inflating the supply of gachis if there's a lot of pressure to do haunt three just because there's friends around that could be another thing um we want to avoid that and not have not have our 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 decisions be incentivized by this pressure of friends mm. being minted and having too many friends. I don't think that should be the basis for making our decisions. Yeah. But it will be if we let it just, you know, friends keep going out of control um, and ticket prices keep dropping. People are not going to be happy. They're going to want that. Um, but it's just not a good basis for making decisions like that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, as the price of Ghost goes up, uh, if we ever come out of this bear market, we get back up to $2, $3 of Ghost, and those those new Ghosts are then used for staking. We're adding potentially 40, 50 million friends every, you know, every day just from single staking. Uh, so it can, it can definitely add up. Like we, we're adding one or two billion friends each month. Um, especially back a couple months ago. Yeah. I was looking at Mark's comment. I mean, the myth and God likes, like you said, they don't have very much liquidity. So the price is going to get impacted a lot worse than a common item. But if you look at a lot of the common items, they're not, you know, three or four ghosts. They're still 15, some 20 ghosts. You know, that's still significantly higher, you know, in terms of price where they were at even eight or nine months ago that's so, where we're talking about it i don't know if that is that pretty much the end of uh of the friends co topic for for this week or yeah i think points? so i think we can i think we can put a pin in it um see if there's a appetite for a sig prop or to to put one together or we can you know uh hold off on that and carry on the discussion um next sunday and then and then hit up a, a sig prop after that if we have better consensus on it but it sounds like people are thinking about the transition cool so one while we're uh talking about godlikes here one one thing to, to bring up is that you guys can think about if for our for the game you know upcoming the uh godlikes and, and comments we've kind of gone over that they will have utility in the game they'll they'll do damage right they're going to be weapons or they're going to be well, they're going to be support so love to hear what what you guys think um, from a game balancing perspective, what should the difference in power level be between a common weapon and a godlike weapon? What should in be the major of, difference between a common weapon and a godlike um, In terms of damage. So let's say hmm. the common weapon does 10 damage. Uh, you know, no context given, but common weapon does 10 damage. How much should a godlike do? Well, I think the godlike, you know, part of the godlike's um, utility, I think, should be... I, I love the idea of the aura that you guys introduced, because that's like, yeah. if you have a godlike item, you essentially have this leadership position where you can lead a squad of Avagachis, and you're going to have this aura effect on the whole group. So I thought that was a great utility, but I, I don't think necessarily the godlike should be like a one hit, you know, just kill everything. I think maybe it should come down to the special abilities of what the godlike can do. Like, uh, mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe a god like has an actual like attack that's a little bit different than just like a slash or a stab or a you know, it's maybe something different. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example I could give you. Um, for example, um, there's this game I used to play where um, if you had one of the really OP high tier items, you could like actually cast a spell like a group spell so you could actually have like ice shards like rain down from the sky on a certain area and any enemies in that area would all get hit all of them across the board so it would have these like essentially very godlike things that you could do that other players would not be able to do so i think that's the allure of a godlike item is is not just the dam damage you can do but in addition to that, what sort of special abilities or whether it's a spell or it's a attack, what what extra ability does it have? I think that's to me, that's what be what would be the uh, the big major difference between like a common and a godlike. OK, so what if you're let's say let's say the gotchis have a thousand hit points and uh, a common weapon. Let's just say it does a hundred damage. I mean, we—I know we can talk about the extra abilities and stuff, but it's, it's, at the end of the day, we also need to have a ratio that uh, that we like, that we think is is fair. I mean, we can add, and we will add other abilities to the godlikes, like the aura, potentially some other things. Uh, but we also need to calculate the base damage. So let's say you're. So let's say you're a you're a level one gachi, you have a thousand hit points, and you got a common item, so you're doing a hundred damage, and then you got a level twenty gachi that you're somehow you you're feeling brave that day. You want to take it on in the arena because you're an idiot. What should happen? Oh, I would say you would not stand a chance against that guy. Uh, but I will say, uh, what about having you know how? this question where how many avogachis with like a common pitchfork would it take would would it take right. to that's take down one guy with a hanzo katana that's maybe a a fight i'd like to see how many of these yeah. gachis with pitchforks are going to be able to take down this because that that's where the problem could come in right if this guy with the hanzo katana can endlessly just keep slashing avogachis and kill like a hundred of them then well that's kind of a problem but you know, if like 20 or 30, maybe I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number, but if like 20 Avagachis with a pitchfork could take down a guy with the Hanzo Katana, then maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of a balance we can find. Maybe it's 10 Avagachis with a common pitchfork can take down a guy with a Hanzo Katana. Um, but there has to be some sort of a ratio there. But one-on-one, -on -one, not a chance. Like, I mean, why should you have a chance? You have a common yeah. item. Um, and this guy has leveled up his Avagachi to 20 plus he has a really crazy item. Um, it would be like the equivalent of me bringing a, a like a baseball bat to like a guy with an assault rifle. Like I'm, I'm not going to stand a chance. Well, if yeah. he was somehow skilled, right, he might be able to get up on you and, and bat you in the face before you shot him. But if he's running at you from 30 feet away, then yeah, he, he's probably not going to stand a chance. So I guess we're talking, that would be more talking about skill, skill level. If there's any sort of, um, so, so there's a lot, of, a lot of things, ways to think about it and, and factors to consider. 
eventually we will have movement speed, we'll have inertia, we'll have uh, sprinting. So it could be a could be a, a ranged gachi, and he's got a ranged weapon, and he shoots that ranged weapon, then it does a lot of damage, but maybe he misses you. So then you can jump in and start beating him with the baseball bat. Well, there's also that um, one uh, aspect of the AP as well, right? Which I thought yeah. was interesting is the AP will limit how many times you're going to have to be strategic. Even if you have a Hanzo Katana, you can't just swing it around everywhere because every time you do that, every time you attempt to attack, maybe mm -hmm. it drains your AP a little bit. And so you still have to be strategic with your hits um, to make them count. Like maybe it's a, maybe you have to have a couple hits to kill a gachi you know, yeah. uh, with the Hanzo Katana, maybe two hits, but you have to have those hits placed accurately. Cause if you're just swinging that thing around, you'll drain your AP and you won't get your two hits. So, you know, maybe you're able to hit the gachi once now because you're inaccurate with your, with your attacks. And now that gachi has a little bit of time before your AP regens to start, you know, coming at you and doing as much damage as they can. I could see that working out maybe. This Gachi has, let's say it has no armor, it's got a thousand hit points versus the uh the versus the katana level twenty. Uh or, or let's just to make it fair, let's just say he's level one. Level one with the katana versus and no armor versus level one with pitchfork and no armor. Should that should that godlike be able to one hit the gachi if it hits it? And you know, ignoring yeah. all, ignoring all that stuff. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I definitely think you're you're pretty much toast there. Because I mean, what, what? Well, maybe I'm just trying to think of the different stats. You know, if you're a, maybe a very ethereal Avagachi, you might be like annoying to kill. You might get, you might evade it. Yeah, you might have yeah, a little you, bit of evasion. You might be like annoying to kill. Like you might you know have a couple extra minutes like a minute of life extra of just running around like a chicken before you get, you know, slaughtered. Um, that's the only scenario I can imagine there where, you know, you might have a chance is getting a few hits in, but like, do I think a guy with the, you know, common pitchfork has a chance against a God, like uh, with a, you know, a Hanzo Katana? Probably not, you know, unless there's a group of gachis that have that, then maybe it's kind of like a, a uh, bunch of little guys fighting a giant, right? It's a little bit different dynamic. But one-on-one, -on -one maybe it might just be annoying to kill that gachi if they're evasive or whatever. But I, I don't think the, yeah. you know, I don't think a common should have a, really a, much of a chance against a uh, a godlike uh, mm -hmm. holder. I don't and know. yeah, and and we're, I mean, this is a very theoretical situation, which probably wouldn't happen because no level one with a pitchfork is gonna enter willingly into, into a battle against uh, a level one with a with the godlike so the match any sort of matchmaking would would take that into account so with we get more later into like okay dungeons we have we have a level one gachi with a godlike and uh he can he might be able to do some do some dungeons like clear a dungeon faster than a level one with uh with a pitchfork now he'd have to not get killed, which would be that would be the the real thing because he doesn't have that much hit points. But he might be able to clear that dungeon also much 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 faster than the guy with the 
the level one pitch floor. And, you know, I think that also makes general sense. Yeah, and I mean, we talk about collaborating in the Gachiverse. It might be advantageous to, you know, have at least one guy on your team that has a a higher tier item to help carry the team, uh, help get through some of the obstacles uh, in the dungeon, you know, unless it's a one-on, you know, it's like a one-person deal. But usually with dungeons, you can go in with a, a group of people, you know, and one person might carry the team and have a really great item and help everybody get through the dungeon a little easier. I'll say if it's all in the arena, differences don't matter as much, but if we're looking at Weapons of the Wild, where one Gaji could theoretically attack and let to steal Alchemica. Yeah, so generally, now this is, this. Uh, I think there's going to be definitely some areas in the grid where Gachis can attack each other. Like, they can, it's a, either it's the the, an actual arena, or could just have some areas that gachis might just want to, you know, vent a little bit, and they want might want to just have some PvP on each other. But generally speaking, the Citadel, there's no plans to have large-scale PvP. Probably a little bit of an arena, where uh, maybe some pixel craft square action. And once we get out into the grid, where there's liquidators, there will definitely be gachi versus liquidator PvP. There's the uh, there's that wilderness aspect too, right? You're going yes. into the wilderness, high risk, high reward. You could lose all your alchemica you're carrying, but you could also come back to the citadel with a lot of alchemica if you're able to make it out. All right, so if we were to just try to just get a sense of the the sentiment, because we have our own in, internal ideas, but I'd love to see what the the power level between it just in terms of raw damage um what between what a level one pitchfork versus uh or a, a common pitchfork versus the godlike katana should be or let's do let's do um common versus mythical versus godlike in, in terms of uh how many points to kill uh like a level one thousand points avagachi uh yeah so okay yeah if the gachi has well um in terms of multiples i guess we don't need to think quite as much about the the overall health points i think what should the multiple be oh i see what you're saying between the tiers like is it going to be 10x more damage than the tier yeah. before it is going to be 5x more damage okay yeah all right well i mean if we're if we're looking at godlikes, you know, being a potentially like one to two hits, um, I guess you could work kind of backwards from there, you know, and maybe maybe it could be related to their actual scarcity, you know, like um, I know uh, commons are a thousand supply, but then the um, the uncommons are half the supply, and then the rares are half that. Um, mm. legendaries are half of that again, and the mythicals half of that, and then the godlikes are very rare. Where they're, uh, you know, I think they're only 10% of a mythical, right? Because mythicals are 50 per item, godlikes are five per item, I believe, right? Um, yeah, godlikes are anywhere from one to nine, actually. One to nine, okay. Um, so yeah, Dr. So Wadme says, so a common. If a common did one damage 
then a godlike would do the equivalent of 22 damage, and a mythical would do 10 damage. So the multiplier would be 10x from common to mythical and 22.36x from common to godlike. So let's say we have Gachi has 1,000 hit points, and uh, the common does 100 damage. That would mean the godlike would do 2200 damage. So you'd, you'd definitely one shot it and more. You'd send it back into the nether realm. <laughs> and then, yeah, liquid Kakusha mentions liquidators as well. Yeah, that's uh, another. Once, we, once we've fairly properly balanced gachis, we're we'll, we'll also considering liquidators as well in the uh, equation here. I have a quick question because we're talking about the rarity of the item and the boost that'll give it in terms of your attack. Um, how is this going to be balanced against XP? Like, say if I have a really like a, a gotcha that's like level ten XP, but that's wearing uh, common stuff. There's going to be a multiplier for the XP on the hits. So, how would that balance against, say, a, a much higher or uh, more stronger item, like say a mythical? Okay, so XP, you're talking about the the level of the gotcha, right? Uh yeah. Okay, so so the way we've envisioned it, you'll get every level in the Gachi verse, you're gonna get three points that you can spend on a couple different things. It's kinda like a skill tree in a way. So um attack I don't I don't think attack power is one of those, but attack speed will be one. And uh, I believe I'd have to look at the exact list. Um but there's a, there's a couple different traits. Like, uh, I think movement speed might be one. Uh, attack speed. I think uh, armor is one as well. I don't think melee or range power are part of that. I think those are wearables only. But there will be ways to increase your damage. Like, for example, attack speed by spending a point on it. And uh, so if you're a level 10 and you've put all 30 of your points into attack speed, you're going to attack pretty quickly. Okay, yeah, so that's that's something to consider then. So those really high XP gachis are, are going to have their day in the sun very soon, or eventually. Oh, yeah. Cool, thanks. So Gachi Namek says, a skillful player that has a gachi equipped with legendary items should be able to defeat a sloppy gachi with mythical items. The same applies for all contiguous categories. The exact ratios about the numbers should come out after testing. Yeah, we're just we're gonna we're definitely gonna do a lot of playtesting uh, with the whole staging environment that we're gonna be working on soon. Uh, we're just trying to get uh, just have a start a conversation about what what kind of expectations uh, you guys have about how powerful a godlike should be in terms of comparing to a common. Yeah, and actually Vanilla Delphia <laughs> makes a good point too. He's going to max out movement speed so he can outrun the katana. So that actually could be an actual strategy um, that could be used by players to get away, like just evade in, you know, we're talking about gachis in the wild. If you see something with a godlike weapon, uh, you might want to just run away and evade, do your best to evade that person. Um, and maybe the same could be said for the arena, but that's only going to go so far before you actually get hit. And when you get hit, you're you're done. Like you're one one to two hits, and you're done. 
Yeah. So, so, you know, so one strategy the uh, Katana guy might have, which would be pretty effective, is uh, he would put a lot of uh, points into HP and also HP regen. So then that would allow, allow him to sprint longer because HP will be used for sprinting. So basically, you know, I'm going to sprint up to you and I'm going to I'm going to hit you before you can run away. And I'm going to be able to do that a couple times. I might have some HP potions as well that I can chug. So, I, I mean, there will be definitely a strategy where you can run away and, and maybe kite someone if you if you have a, a ranged weapon. But it's not, it won't be, it'll definitely, there'll be some limitations on it. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to, like we were talking about the common versus godlike, even with the ranged, you might be able to, you know, get some damage in before you, you know, you're buying time essentially in that situation. You're you're done eventually, but you're buying time. And maybe you might have the off chance of uh, actually making a difference. Um, one thing I was going to ask you uh, in terms of battle mechanics is, are you guys thinking of crits, like critical hits, uh, yep. randomized? Yeah, so uh, some of the weapons will have uh, critical strike. And it's going to be, I believe it's like a weapon-specific ability. There's going to be different, uh, I think it was chapter 4 of the Bible, kind of goes into that a little bit. But yeah, critical strike, uh, stun, a couple others will be weapon-specific, like wearable-specific abilities. Could also, probably will also have, um, it could be also like an aura that a godlike could have. It gives like all weapons near it a critical strike aura, like a chance, and uh, that will also be something that's influenced by luck, which is a thing that you can put skill points into as well. Yeah, um, one thing I guess uh, with designing the battle mechanics is, you know, there can be multiple iterations of this as well but i think one caution would also be we should put a lot of thought into this before we implement it mm. um only because we don't want to like heavily nerf anything after the fact because we realize yeah. it's way too powerful yeah or or not powerful yeah i think we're not powerful yeah because yeah, people are gonna make financial decisions based on the uh the game mechanics that do get published so it's very like none of this is final until everyone signs off on it and we make a DAO proposal for it. But even then after that, like MMORPGs are constantly changing. People discover new techniques. Then those are, people discover those are overpowered. And that's, this is, this is like what we re really envisioned the DAO cracking out and really getting like interested on is like what, ha what happens when someone discovers a new technique that is way OP and it needs to be nerfed in a way. Like that's a community decision. It might involve, you know, financial assets. Could it could be maybe this god likes too OP, so it needs to be nerfed a little bit. That could definitely happen. People should be aware that that could happen because this is it's a it's a game. You know, it's not like a financial protocol. This part, the gotcha verse. I mean. I mean, yeah, it's just a caution because I know we're going to keep having this conversation. You know, I enjoy these conversations about uh, the game, like battle mechanics. But at the same time, we know there's going to be that guy who he hears us talking about this stuff. And now he's going to go buy Hanzo Katana. You know, it's <laughs> we don't we don't want to do that. Like we want to make sure that um, we're just having a good conversation about it right now. And 
not influencing anybody's financial decisions because uh, mm -hmm. things could change. We might decide to implement something or bring up an idea that actually affects the value of a godlike in a certain way, um, uh, good or bad, you know. But that's the the point is we need a balanced game, and I think that was your initial kind of question between the lowest tier and the highest tier. What should be that interaction? Like, what should be the outcome of that event? Um, and, you know, I would say if you're in an arena one-on-one -on -one with the guy, you're essentially just buying time and maybe hoping that you can get a critical strike in, but the odds are kind of heavily against you. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would just make for an entertaining battle if you were able to get a critical strike and almost kill the guy, but he ended up killing you anyway. I think that would be a very mm -hmm. entertaining battle, you know. Um, but yeah, I, th I think, I think the odds will be heavily against you, but at the same time, you know, seeing that same Hanzo Katana in the wild, um, maybe there's a level of coordination among the lower tier common Avagachis and you have a gang of them and now yeah. you're, you're fighting a swarm. Now, now you actually have to use your skill and strategy. You can't just blindly swing at him. You actually have to be a little bit more strategic. Like you said, maybe the, uh, berserker strategy or using a, uh, some sort of a HP potion to help you uh, could be a big advantage uh, there. Yeah. yeah. You might have a weapon with, you might put all your points into luck and have uh, the item that stuns. And you just, that's, you get like two or three gachis that all have that item and, and they all try to gang up on one, one player and like perma stun them. <laughs> that would be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that a little ambush. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much time, but I think uh, this, we are in the. We're actively uh, doing a lot of balancing now, and and I said mentioned yesterday the, the spreadsheet is is crazy, uh, really fun. So once we finish up the farmer the farming uh, release, and we've been kind of working on the chat bubbles. Those are generally implemented to our specs at this point so we're going to start also moving towards a little bit more of the fun really really fun stuff and hopefully can get a uh, a staging like arena for you guys to start trying stuff out can't can't promise it'll be this month but we are we're we're working towards that goal for sure oh man i i mean <laughs> no pressure on you guys for this month but just the fact that you're talking about it in months is pretty exciting um, that we're going to see this probably within the next couple months at least um, is still very exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's... you guys ship fast, so we can hardly keep up sometimes. Well, this is the thing we want to get it out as you know as soon as we can to start letting people play test it, and then we can we can simulate you know tower defense kind of stuff. We can simulate what what happens if. Agachis versus a thousand liquidators or a thousand like level one gachis and can play out all those different scenarios and possibly like you know let hopefully let you guys come up with your own scenarios that you can try out so we can really just get a full balanced uh kind of a feeling of what the game's gonna feel like. Doctor Wagme humbly volunteers as an early tester. Thank you, sir. Yeah, very, very exciting um, stuff, um, you know, with that. So we'll, we'll keep that going as a conversation. I'm looking forward to actually, uh, as you guys develop that, uh, having more conversations uh, like that. Um, so, I mean, are we, 
are you okay if we move on to there's some new business that we have to mm-hmm. cover uh, that's yep. been in the DAO forums and it's addressing um, just proxy voting and you know some concerns community members have around uh, proxy voting and uh, there's a whole uh, write-up hardcore is put together on the Miro board so you can actually follow along with uh, like thoughts and observations around this. But basically what it comes down to, and I know Mikey J is in the conversation or in the chat as well, so you're definitely welcome to come up and um, just give us the short version if you would like to. Uh, And I can also go into the proposal here. Um, Let's see. Okay. So this is addressing... um, this is not necessarily addressing or attacking the vault by any means, but it's addressing this uh, idea of proxy voting and maybe some issues with proxy voting and how we could address that as we get more partners um, coming into the Gachiverse that could potentially have a uh, large influence on the way the votes are going. Um, so, you know, Mikey J starts off with, you know, the vault is a great product, is a very innovative product. But we're using this as basically an example. We're going to have more things like this implemented in the Gachiverse between now uh, in Metamorphosis as a DAO to the, uh, sorry, in the Cocoon phase as a DAO to Metamorphosis, where we're actually going to have a lot more control over the protocol. So we want to make sure that this is addressed um, and that just um, that there's no uh, one party in the Gachiverse that has a larger influence um over over a specific vote compared to the amount of people actually engaging with the votes so i can just read i can just read the this little segment here uh one of the trade-offs of custodying custodying assets in the vault is that owners of those assets are entrusting their voting power to the vault managers the vlt governance token is issued to the owners of the assets held in the vault during the six-month period during the launch um, that provides a mechanism for the owners to still participate in the governance of Avagachi via the vault managers as the proxy, um, but it's not a one-to-one representation of voting power to the assets owned. Um, should a user remove their assets from the vault, should a user remove their assets from the vault, they retain the VLT token and ability to influence the vault's vote. Um, the VLT is a freely traded DEX token. Current market value is $4. Um, so he's saying, you know, through investing in VLT, someone could potentially uh, buy per- bypass essentially the purchasing of Avagachi native assets just by the VLT and have a large influence over the Avagachi DAO uh, protocol decisions without actually owning any Avagachi assets. Um, that was one of the things he outlined. Um and then basically the net effect of this is the vault's voting power is transferred from a, oh no, this is talking about the, uh, the lack of participation from his analysis uh, by many VLT holders. There's, there's a smaller amount of actual participants and not all those participants actually have assets um, in the vault. So uh, here it goes on here. The lack of participation by many VLT holders suggests that had these same owners self-custody their assets rather than placing them in the vault, 
they would most likely either be abstaining from DAO votes just as they've abstained from VLT votes or are still voting using their non-vault assets and are unaware of the vault's VLT process. So the net effect is that the vault's voting power is transferred from the majority share of passive, passive asset owners to minority of VLT holders who actively participate in governance. Um, as a result, it takes a very small number of VLT holders uh, to sway the majority of the VLT vote and in turn wield a near majority of the Avagachi DAO voting power. Um, so that's that's kind of uh, the, the initial part there. And then his key observations and thoughts. The average total ghost vote for the core props was about 17.2 million ghosts. Uh, the vault currently holds a total of 6.8 million ghosts. So it's split nearly evenly between two voting addresses. So that represents roughly 40% share of the overall ghost for the core props. Um, so then it just talks about uh, splitting between two voting addresses. Uh, the average VLT voting power that was exercised on recent votes was 58,000 VLT. And the top three VLT holders collectively hold over 30,000 VLT. So that represents a majority need to determine the outcome of the votes. Um, so just his kind of analysis on how the VLT is being used, I guess, to vote on proposals. Um, and then presents a possible solution. But I actually want to jump down to something hardcore actually mentioned as, as well, because this should be the focus of our discussion. Um, three issues. Uh, is proxy voting actually okay? within this DAO? And do we care if it's delivered in the correct ratio? Um, so we should figure that out and I agree we should pick a pick a stance and you know we should kind of stick by that. Um, number two, are we concerned about the ability to own 51% of the vote? Um, so that's that's definitely another thing to consider. Uh, and he points out the DAO facet, you know, and this is something we're talking about as we move to metamorphosis as well. It's just something we have to address um, to make sure that we don't have any other, you know, if we don't have, make sure we don't have uh, bad actors, you know, for a 51% um, sort of event. And then uh, we give XP for voting and not voting is getting XP. This part I'm not sure about. I Do the vault uh, participants get XP when we, when they vote on a core prop? Um. So actually, this is what I was uh, working on tonight. Uh, the The answer is if they uh, actually, so if, if it's uh, an event, like we had the birthday party yesterday, they definitely have to fill in the type form for themselves. For the vault, uh, I'd have to check the code for that for uh, for the proposals. I believe that they are they don't have, like, the vote from the vault counts for their gachis, pretty sure. Because if, if it didn't, they wouldn't have any, they wouldn't have any assets to vote with. So I'm pretty sure if the vault votes, it, it gives Avagach the uh, Avagachis in the vault uh, the XP. But I, I would need to check on that. Okay. So I guess um, just throwing it out to the, the chat there, the community, what do we think about uh, proxy voting, you know, if we are going to be doing proxy voting, how do we want to, in a way, create guidelines for proxy voting? Because 
you know, we're talking about the vault here, and it's not it's not an attack on the vault because they're they're the first. No. They just happen to be the first innovative product in the Gachiverse. Uh, Hardcore actually has in, on the Miro board another example of another, um, I guess, organization, the Web Three Bazaar, that is potentially kind of gonna have to deal with the same uh, issues with voting, voting power, and having influence on the DAO. Uh, so we need to we need to kind of consider that right now in this phase in cocoon, because once we get to metamorphosis, we're going to be able to do other things like upgrading, um, upgrading and executing like certain smart contract calls, uh, you know, uh, Avagachi and ghost governance. It just opens up the amount of things that the DAO has influence over. And so we want to make sure that we're um, just, Creating creating some guardrails, uh, guidelines around how we're approaching our voting, uh, making sure that no one party has uh, over overpowered influence over over votes. I'm just gonna read the comments here and know they're going. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have a check real quick uh, through our script here to see if we are. Um, giving out xp or not i think uh i think part of our script i believe it, it definitely does check the vault subgraph and so yeah i my feeling is that vault gachis are receiving xp uh even if their owner didn't vote because as long as the the vault votes they will yeah i mean that's another that's another question for us to consider is you know, we're incentivizing people with XP, um, and the initial idea behind gamifying voting was to reduce the voter apathy and actually have people engaged in the process. But, you know, going through the vault, you're not really, you know, you're not really having any opinion either way on the votes, and it's very passive. So should there Maybe. be... Maybe. I mean, I think that's... We yeah. should, we should uh, unpack that a little bit. Like, I think... They do have a lot of governance in the vault, and, and for every, uh, I think for every major uh, sig prop and core prop, they have a vote in the vault as well. So, like, there is discussion within the vault happening for sure. Uh, I think one of the issues that Mikey J brings up is that it, the vault token is not a perfect representation of of the willpower of the vault, right? Because it's it, uh, it theoretically could be bought. Although I think Doctor Wagme did show there's very little liquidity if someone were to try to buy it from. Uh, I mean, someone could do OTC, I guess, for it. That would be one attack vector. But if they're just going to QuickSwap and buying the vault token, there's not much liquidity. But it's still, it's a it's a kind of an imperfect representation of the vault, the voting power. Of the vault because there's only they only have two voting addresses, and I think it, yeah, it's a wider conversation on do we want proxy voting and delegation in Avagachi DAO, and what are the rules on that? Because there's it's not just the vault. There's also um, the Orium. You guys probably know Orium or Orium. I guess yeah, Orium. They're building yeah. like they're building like that whole platform. They're also going to be introducing vaults for for Gachi, for Avagachi and for other NFT games. So this problem won't just be 
a vault problem. It'll be also uh, Orium when they introduce vaults. Then people will also be locking their gotchis into those vaults, and those vaults could also theoretically vote, and they might not have the uh, the same ethos that the the gotchi vault does as far as like oh transparency with the community and and uh, voting. They they might be a little bit more uh, a little bit more independent, I guess. And I mean that's a good point too, right? I mean we're not we're not um, outing the vault by any means. Yeah. It's, it's, because the vault actually they're run by community members, so they know what's going on in Abagachi. They have a good understanding of what these proposals imply when they're voting on them. But I think my concern comes from what happens when we get someone that's acting like a vault but are also now malicious in their intent in any, any way to swing a vote to, you know, either they have a personally invested decision where they want to sway it towards themselves, sway the vote towards, you know, their favor, or they actually have malicious intent and might actually try to hurt the protocol uh, in terms of uh, putting, you know, swaying a vote in a direction that the DAO doesn't necessarily favor. Um, so that's kind of where my concern comes from as we transition to this phase where the DAO is also going to have a lot more control over the protocol. So it's just uh, something I feel like we need to create some guidelines at least uh, for new players coming in after the vault uh, and say, you know, these are kind of our guidelines on proxy voting. This is how we expect proxy voting to be set up uh, and delegating votes and create some, uh, some standards around that I think would be, would be important. Yeah, one kind of way to avoid it would be to say that smart contracts cannot vote and you have to have the asset in your wallet to vote with it. Because right now, this is especially easy for us. We could do this with Snapshot. We could basically just check. Uh, well, checking if it's a contract would be a little bit harder. But we could definitely... Um, check that the assets are owned by who they say they who the the address of the voter is um and that so that would generally prevent any sort of proxy voting uh unless there I mean, there is the the issue of delegation i think which snapshot also supports T not totally sure how that works but I, it's probably something we would need need to enable on uh snapshot but I don't think I don't think anyone is able to delegate their votes to other people right now. Which I my personal perspective is I I really don't like delegation. I think it's like why even have a DAO if you're going to have all your people delegate their votes to like one one or like a certain group of people. I'm more of the uh, let's figure out how to incentivize people so they actually want to vote instead of like. You go on to optimism, and the first thing you see is like, oh, who do you want to delegate your, your OP tokens to? Yeah, it's so lame. <laughs> it just feels like a sellout right yeah. from the first the first step. Um, it kind of, you know, it moves away from the ethos of decentralization. And, you know, we have this great technology of smart contract voting. Everybody can be represented. Um, so it definitely makes sense because the traditional systems we are used to are kind of they do work that way where you delegate your votes to a specific party or a specific person and you're trusting that their actions are going to be what they say they are, you know, or what they, they say that what they're going to, they do what they say they're going to do. 
Uh, and that's not always the case. Um, and I guess the same could apply, you know, to our governance where uh, today we have good, you know, we have people with no ill intent against the protocol, but we might, that might be something we have to deal with one day and we don't have um, guidelines in place for how we're handling our voting. Um, it could hurt the protocol. So I guess that's kind of the, the center point for, for the discussion in my opinion um, is, you know, delegation regarding delegation proxy voting and then this idea of um you know how many wallets should be voting uh with how much voting power uh you know yeah so just to talk about the solution um mikey j saying basically can snapshot check the vaults contract or other designated proxies and allow the asset owner to vote directly and have their voting power credited for the assets they hold in the vault. So yeah, I believe, I mean, with Snapshot, that should be super easy to do because it's it's all powered by the subgraph. It's actually, uh, yeah, it would just be a call to the subgraph for the vault to check they're the original owner and see what kind of assets they have in there. Uh, I, I don't think they, we'd have to calculate their ghost as well, which I don't think is currently being tracked, but theoretically not not too hard. And then why I mentioned we might have to ban smart contracts completely is because there could be people who create a contract that can actually sign on Snapshot and they don't tell us and they just, they start, or, or like a guild, like a, a guild I think is a good example, or a vault. They might set up a, a contract without really telling anyone and they might have 30, 40 gotchis in there without really telling anyone and they might be voting with that and still receiving XP for all those gotchis, even though the original owners weren't weren't voting. So we would need to probably also prevent smart contracts from, from voting. So yeah, Dr. Wyoming says not allowing smart contracts to vote would eliminate all V ghost voting power. Right, but we could include V ghost voting power in the 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 voter power when we calculate it with snapshot but we also have a, a proposal right a sig prop for adding um here let me just jump to that uh configure voting power for am ghost wap ghost and glitter all glitter staking um so we're going to be configuring voting power for these things would it be a good idea i'm just throwing this out there would this be a good idea to add v ghost um as part of this uh, voting power. So, you know, how much VGhost you have in your wallet um, would determine, in addition to whatever voting power you already have, uh, how much that would contribute to that. And then that yeah. would represent. What's the value of one VGhost to one ghost? Is it one to one or is it a little bit different? No, because I think the, the VGhost uh, grows over time. So I don't know what the ratio is right now. Um, I'm sure Dr. Wagme, you might be able to, um, provide what the current rate is for one ghost to be ghost. Okay. Yeah, so it's actually not a huge difference right now. One V ghost is 1.02 ghost. Okay. Yeah, and that ratio, there's probably a, a smart contract function that can be called to get the, if it's like anything like Ave, they have like the, um, the name of the I don't know what the name of the function is, but basically it, it gets the original value of it. 
in terms of ghost. So you'd, you'd plug in the V ghost amount and it would give you the amount of ghost. There's a way that could get integrated um, if, if there was an appetite for that. Every time someone makes a new service that hides ghost ownership, that service should submit to have the new tech added and we do it. Right, but okay, so yeah, that's a, I don't know, that's a lot of upkeep to do that. It's It'd be easier just to ban smart contracts, only allow EOAs to vote. Um, the I guess the downside to that would be, okay, what about a Gnosis safe? Does that... Does that count? That's a smart contract. So then Yannick with his multi-sig wouldn't be able to vote because it's a smart contract. So tricky for sure. I mean, Yannick, I think he's another good example, right? Because he's got he's got that multi-sig with most of those assets are, are owned by him, but a lot of them are also uh, Orden DAO. So it's a DAO voting. Do we want to say everyone in a DAO it's like a DAO votes together, but they we have to. Any Avogachi in that DAO needs to have the original owner voting. I mean, why don't the DAOs <clears throat> register with? Uh, I don't know if this would work, but if a DAO would register, DAO or guilds would register themselves on the protocol saying this is our voting power. Well, this yeah, because they would have to have. Uh, basically, we'd have to have a standard for all of them. Otherwise, like it would be, we'd have like twenty different standards. We're trying to mesh all into into snapshot. They already hate us over there because we're so complicated. Yeah, maybe we we could have some sort of registration and a and a standard system. So any. Any uh, vault-like thing, like a Gnosis safe, needs to have a, a way for us to get the original owner of the assets. Yeah, and if there was an interface where, you know, either a community member built this or, a, you know, somebody was able to create an interface where you're able to see uh, the amount of actual asset holders in in that specific group, whether it's multi-sig or DAO, and then what the collective voting power is, I think it would just be good to have that as for transparency purposes. You know, I know the information's out there, but you know, having that in one place would also be kind of helpful just for the community to see. Okay, well, this is how how the the power distribution is among all the voters, uh, small and large. Yeah. So it really, it just comes down to, do we want to have delegation or do we not want to have delegation? And if, if we do allow delegation, should the delegated gachi owners also be receiving XP for their gachis? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, you know, going back to the original use case for incentivizing XP and voting the the interest the thing I saw that was really interesting is that in order to actually get your XP you would have to read the proposal and you know get a little engaged with the with the with the proposal and the voting process 
uh, and XP was the reward. So I just kind of wonder, like, why, you know, why would someone that's not engaging in the protocol or engaging in the voting process with that specific um, topic yeah. or proposal, like, why should they get anything for that? Totally. Yeah, I agree. We, we have one of the highest turnouts, probably the highest turnout of any DAO in the world because we give out XP. But if we're giving that XP out to people who aren't actually voting, then it is, it's wasted. Dr. Wagme says, we have a choice for delegation. You don't open the Avagachi app and have to delegate your voting power. It's a choice you make with your assets. How does that work? When It's like when you deposit your assets into the vault, you can choose if you want to delegate or if the voting power stays with you. How does that work? Or, or that voting power is just... Okay, depositing your assets into the vault is the choice. I mean, I guess I could make the example if I'm a whale, you know, I have 300k worth of assets and I sent all my assets to you, you know, you're a good friend, I trust you. And I say, you know, here's 300k worth of my assets. I can't keep an eye on this game right now. Can you manage these assets and um, just vote for me? I guess in a way that's delegation and nobody would know about it. But um, it, yeah, you know, I'm, I think there is a I think there is a um, oh man, I lost my train of thought there. Sorry. No, that's that kind of situation is not really what we're trying to solve here. We're trying to solve um, trustless delegation. Okay, yeah, that was kind of kind of what I was trying to come back around to is the trustless aspect of it. That uh, any two people, two parties that don't know each other, that don't have any aligned incentives or anything, can just send a bunch of voting power one way to a specific mm -hmm. individual or. Uh, specific um, voting um, organization and have them do it for them and not necessarily have their position represented. Well, the yeah, good news is it should be very, fairly trivial to do that with uh, the vault subgraph and snapshot if we were to go down this path, but we would need to standardize it. So other protocols and uh, with multi like Gnosis safe, uh, that one might be a little bit more complicated. Like, honestly, they should, they should probably just set up their own vault. If they're going to like with Gnosis safe, if, if someone is using Gnosis safe as their multi sig for their assets, it, we, we might just have to say, sorry, you, you can't use multi like Gnosis safe. Cause there's no, functions for us to query the original owners. Now we uh we do have a potential partner looking at integrating into the Gachiverse uh parcel and I believe they work with Gnosis to make it a better experience. That's something I'm gonna have to research more, but um if you know more about it, um do you think something like parcel with like a guild management tool uh, slash accounting management for guilds. Do you think that would play any part in creating this um, these guidelines? You know, maybe you have to have a registered parcel account with your guild, and you know that would maybe provide a window into the guild's assets and um, maybe implied voting power from that. Well, it's not about 
what their assets are. It's about who deposited them. And currently, uh, the vault is the only one that actually has that kind of functionality that we can query. Uh, probably OREM will also have something like that. We're also, we are talking with them. I mean, uh, there's like a, an, a vault ERC4626. We could have we could make our own standard and say we want this to be the standard for delegating uh, vaults that have non-delegated voting power, basically. ERC six 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 or whatever whatever number we are we're at now. But Gnosis would have to implement that, which I don't think they probably would. They're not a vault, so we would have to essentially create that standard. The the vault our vault. Gachi Vault would adopt that, and then we would tell any partners in the future that want to make a vault, you need to implement these custom functions uh, to be uh, compliant with our, our vault standard if you want to have voting power. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to get into the, you know, get more details about how that would work. I think that's a great idea. It kind of goes back to setting a guardrail or standard. Hey, you know, vaults are a great idea. They have a huge use case in the Gachiverse, but we have these um, these sorts of guidelines you have to follow just so we are, you know, still maintaining our fair voting uh, on proposals kind of thing. Yeah, it could. Yeah, hardcore. It could be in the being a new EIP. Yeah, exactly. It's an ERC. Uh, we'd start out as an ERC, whatever number, and then it wouldn't have to be an ERC, but it'd be kind of it, it could be a an ERC that we we create. ERC six six nine sixty nine forty two <laughs> standard for let's see del what is it non Delegated standards for vault with non-delegated voting power. So, um, I think it's a good, yeah, a good uh, start of a conversation. One very curious what the uh, what the vault owners think as well. If we're missing anything, or is this going to completely rug their their business that they've got going? Uh, I don't think it would, but yeah, we definitely want to be sensitive to that as well. I will say the good thing is the fact that we're starting this conversation right now, um, it, it it's really great that we only have one party that we're going to consult with, and they happen yeah. to be knowledgeable yeah. community members who have aligned interests. So this is a great opportunity to actually refine this and create some sort of a structure rather than if we wait, you know, if we wait six months and have this conversation, we're going to have to consider multiple parties uh, while we're developing a standard, um, which is going to be even more challenging. So I think it's a great time to start having this conversation. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Thanks to Mikey J for making the proposal and raising the concern. Yeah, definitely want to you know take the vault into account. Um, they're they have uh, passions and interests aligned with uh with with what we want to do. 
um so don't want to definitely don't want to like rug a project in the middle of this but also want to make sure that we're uh you know developing a standard around it so that we continue to maintain like fair voting on proposals yeah and then also if we design the standard i like hardcore's point on it if we design it uh we get even more eyes on the project you know it just speaks to our innovation mm -hmm. uh cutting edge yeah, because there's got to be other gamify projects out there with a ton of different assets that are also like the future of gamify and lending is so so closely linked that there's definitely going to be other DAOs out there that wouldn't want to give they they want to have vaults that can do like lending, but they don't want to give away voting power to those vaults. So I think there's there's probably an audience out there that would also be interested in, in this a new standard for this yeah i agree um want to respect your time i know we're uh hour, yeah. hour and 50 minutes uh, i got uh 13 more minutes here uh want did have a question about spillage and is there any change in community sentiment on that ahead of the 20th or we we keeping it as is uh, for now, and there was some discussion about the uh, the proof of humanity versus cartridges. Obviously, there's this is Web three space. People are not that comfortable giving out their biometrics to uh, a, a new startup platform, even if you know they do say that they are not saving any of the information and. I believe them, but you know, you never know. So there's it's definitely good to be skeptical. Yeah, I don't plan on scanning my eyeballs to log into the Gotchaverse anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> One idea for the cartridges, uh, I think the main hiccup on that was probably uh, distribution. So one idea could be just be to give a console to all the gachi owners and their and realm owners and one cart one cartridge to each gachi uh above a certain kinship threshold so let's say you have kinship threshold above you know 100 or 200 or whatever you would get a cartridge for for that gachi um but as far as we haven't since that decision. We haven't really spent any time on the cartridges because we're preparing the farming release. Make want to make sure everything goes smoothly for that. But uh, is a you know if if the community if we want to keep thinking on that as an idea, we can definitely iterate on it. And see if there's any uh, uh, ways to continue improving it. Yeah, agreed. Um, what are thoughts around? <clears throat> Like if we were to turn on spillover, would be be implementing hot zones as well because that seems to be kind of a hit. Like people really enjoy so, yeah. that. Yep, makes sense. Yeah. You guys go easy on glitter, okay? Looking at the the coin gecko page. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um oh yeah i had one more question someone had posted in the chat um 
when we're ready farming season four what are we thinking in a general timeline yeah i think we could definitely kick that off shouldn't be any delays for like if we want to do end of month ish maybe pick a i think i forget what day we usually started off but basically after after farming is released and is going smoothly we can uh move right seamlessly into rarity farming Yeah, exciting. That's going to be real good. And yeah, I'm happy to see the makers also launching with the harvesters. That was a that was a decision mm -hmm. we made as a DAO a while back. So, mm -hmm. And then all the Alchemica prices are uh, they're mooning, so that's kind of cool. Glad I bought some Keck a while back. And then I also summoned, to celebrate Avagachi's second birthday, I summoned uh, H1 Avagachi yesterday. Ooh, uh, I, nice. did, I pulled it on a live stream. I felt like it just felt right, you know. Avagachi's second birthday, a second H1. Uh, I I don't think I've actually pulled a Avagachi out of an H1 portal before. I've always bought like open portals or just bought them off the market. So it was exciting. And uh, I ended up pulling a 509 uh, Avagachi, like an Ave Avagachi, with uh, the original H1 mythical eyes. So. Pretty nice. Very nice. Oh yeah, backside. I don't have a screenshot right now, but if you, uh, it's on my Twitter. I actually live streamed it last night, so that that's recorded. Um, it's just H1 portals right now. I couldn't believe the prices for H1 portals. I was like, there's only a hundred ghosts spread between H2 portal and H1, so only makes sense if you're gonna pull an Avagachi. You might as well pull the OG one. Um, but yeah, it was just my thoughts behind that. Not financial advice by any means. But yeah, that was uh that was last night. We have uh we have some programming tonight. I want to respect your time, Dan. I know you gotta go soon, but yep. we have a uh oh there it is, goops. Yeah, <laughs> two four nine nine Avagachi. I named it Dr. Vankman because I recently watched Ghostbusters and I thought he was kind of cool. So nice. Oh, you can't can't see the eyes though. <laughs> you know, I, I was trying to play around with the stats. Uh, it's actually quite interesting with the stats because it has high energy and high aggressiveness, but it has really low spookiness. So it has the high AP capacity combined with the high mm. HP and AP regen. So going back to our conversation yeah. earlier, it might be interesting as a battler. Berserker, yeah. Berserker, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to uh, get off here and get some rest. Got a big week next week. Lots of lots of shipping to do. So hope you guys have a nice Sunday and a yeah, great conversation. Thanks for all the feedback on the balancing. And uh, we'll, we'll continue thinking of that. And uh, once we have some initial uh, numbers, we're, we're, we are going to try to set up a simulator where people can play gotchis and, and kind of simulate the movement and stuff. Um, but that that needs to be coded in Python, so it's going to take a little bit longer as our uh, team is not as proficient in Python. We're more JavaScript, JavaScript fam, but uh, we'll we'll get it done. So have a great Sunday, everyone, and we'll yep. You can keep the keep the hangout going. I'm gonna exit quietly. Perfect. No, uh, appreciate your time, and uh, we'll definitely catch up soon. Thanks for hanging out with us uh, on later. Sunday morning. All right, later. Later.
And uh, for the rest of our friends tonight, uh, we got our gotcha spaces tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. We can continue the conversation there and uh, see no futuristic up on stage. Uh, what's going on, man? I just jumped up real quick because I just wanted to say I put it in the Bizarre channel. Uh, if anybody has a mythical item that they're considering trading for some land, hit me up. I'll, I'll work out a really good deal with you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you've been flipping like a madman lately. It's been interesting to watch your, uh, your flips. So hopefully you get that mythical item. Yeah, now all this like PvP talk. I'm like, damn, I need something to hit people with. <laughs> That's right. Got to get that spirit sword. All right. I'll, I'll see you later. Yeah, later. Uh, we'll catch up tonight. Uh, see you all tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitter if you're showing up. Uh, and if not, we'll catch you during the week. Hope you all have a good week, friends. Peace out.